93.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. It's Arizona Sports Saturday. Hey, thanks so much for spending some time with us here on Arizona Sports Saturday. Steve Zinsmeister, Mitch Burrell is with you. Trevor Henry is behind the glass for us. Who is to blame for the slowish start for the Arizona Cardinals? We talked about it earlier. They're two and uh sorry, one and two. Easily could have been 0 and 3, and they head to Carolina this weekend to face a Panthers team that they just seem to struggle against for some reason. Really struggle. And struggle to the point of they haven't won a football game against them since 2013. Which game was that? I just want to let that hang for a bit. Do you remember which game that was? I'll look it up for you. But 2013. That was that kind of opponent. Yes, I believe that was Palmer. Okay. But he got hurt in that game, I think. Yes, I think that was kind of one of the last injuries of the Palmer... That would have been a Cam Newton team, right? See, uh, or smart, just before Cam Newton. Smarter. Or no, 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 no. It would have time. been Cam Newton because Cam Newton was drafted in uh, 2011. Okay, gotcha. It, regardless, the Panthers somehow seem to have the Cardinals number, and one of the biggest frustrations that I have is, and we talked about this with Tyler Drake, our Cardinals insider at ArizonaSports.com earlier, is it appears that in the last let's say, three draft classes the Cardinals have had, very few of their impact picks, their high draft picks, mid-round picks, have made a big impact and are playing a substantial amount of snaps. I mean, Isaiah Simmons, they talked about how they were going to build the defense around him, that he was going to be given a key position defensively, and then he got benched, and then made the biggest play of the game in Las Vegas a game-winning fumble that he forced, and he's really not playing all that much still. Still. Despite that. Zaven Collins, another first-round pick linebacker. He's playing, but not a huge impact, I wouldn't say. They went and drafted two pass rushers, different types of players, and Cam Thomas and MyJ Sanders this offseason. They're not even playing. Nope. And this is a team that's had their pass rushing position depleted in the offseason, losing Chandler Jones, not really filling that void, putting Devon Kennard on the practice squad at times. How are they not getting playing time? Do you, you know, see, the, see the issue here? Is that Do I not, see the issue? I'm very aware of this issue. They're not hitting on any draft picks that are making an impact. So Steve Kime was on with Burns and Gambo yesterday, and the question was more so centered around the rookies, in particular Trey McBride, who, for the record, because I have the usage percentage up, Right now. Okay. In the previous game against the Rams, Trey McBride saw five offensive snaps, which is 6% of the 83. He saw 15 special team snaps. Okay. How about this one? Cam Thomas saw three total defensive snaps, which was 6%. He saw one special team snap, 4%. And Myjay Sanders, for the third straight game, did not dress. So what the heck's the problem? So he was asked, Steve Kime was, by Burns and Gamble yesterday, is he concerned with the lack of production by these rookies? Well, it's always a concern. You'd love to see guys come in right away, but I think realistically when you look at middle-round picks, um, they will generally take some time. Uh, you know, and it's not so, so much a physical thing, as I said earlier. It's it's the speed of the game and uh, the size of the playbook and, and some of the adjustments that you have to make on the fly. So uh, I know there's a lot going through those guys' heads, but in practice I know that they've continued to look better, and I know they will get more opportunities as we get down the stretch. Okay, before I play the follow-up, for the record, 
If you're a pick in the top 100 players of the NFL draft, are you a middle round selection? I think of that as a higher pick. First why three rounds Kime are high qualifying rounds them as middle round picks. Well, I think he's probably right there. It sounds to me like he's specifically talking about the pass rushers that they picked. My J. Sanders but and Cam so, Thomas in the third round. Top one hundred picks. Right. I agree with you. The hundred best NFL draft picks, and the Cardinals have three of them, and they're getting about as many snaps as I can count on my hands. Yeah. Well, oh, part, sorry, of that, part of that, too, is Trey McBride was a, a player at the tight end position that wasn't a huge need. You have Zach Ertz, who's a, a very good, qualified tight end, can do a lot of things. And Max Williams, who played very well last season before injury, and he's certainly good at different things from Zach Ertz. So you already had an established tight end room. You didn't need a third guy, but they went out and got the top tight end in the draft in Trey McBride. Not a position of need. And I know we talk about this with drafts all the time, right? You don't want to draft for need necessarily. You want to draft best player available. But this one happened to be a tight end that they're not using at all. They're not using any other tight ends. And that I'm, might end up being a good pick three years from now. But right now, it's not paying dividends at all. I'm looking at the snap counts again, still from the Rams game. Just off of a guesstimation, based off of the fact that Zach Ertz got 93% of the snaps, 77 of them. And the other three tight ends got a combined 20. They were doing a lot of 11 personnel. And there was even thoughts that maybe they could go 12. Could they even go 13 personnel? For those that don't know, one running back, one tight end, 11. And then any number attached to it either way is extra running back or extra tight end. So 13 would be run, one running back, three tight ends. And you have that kind of depth. You've created that kind of depth on your active roster. But they don't run that formation ever. But, so then the follow-up question in regard to these rookies not playing time, which I thought Gambo asked perfectly. You don't think there's any disconnect between the front office and the guys that are making the picks and then the coaching staff and having those guys get on the field and play? Well, I don't know of any guys that we've drafted that our coaches didn't like, so I would have to say that's a no. And that doesn't fully answer the question, though. Yeah, it's not that Gambo was leading them on to say that the coaches don't like them. It's just that they're not contributing. I don't think it was a lead. I think it was the right question to ask. Like, yeah. is there a disconnect between these two? And the way that Steve Kime answered it as, well, I've never had a draft pick a coach didn't like, that's irrelevant. It could be a seventh rounder that the coach likes. He was probably not going to see any playing time. And it it's not just this recent draft. I mean, you go back... Steve Kime, in my mind, tell me if I'm if I'm way off base here, but this is how I evaluate Steve Kime's drafting performance. Is the uh, answer poorly? Uh, first round, poor. There's not a lot of contributors that I can remember. DJ Humphreys is still around. I'll give you one. But remember, he didn't start in his first season either. No. DJ Humphreys did. I'll give you one. Okay. Kyler Murray. Yeah, but that but he's the number obvious. one overall pick, and he started right away, and he's a quarterback. All right, what's next? Second I guess it round? could have been bad. Second round, I think he's actually been pretty good, and he's been very effective at flipping second-round picks for impact players. Byron Murphy, Bruda Baker. Those are picks, When he drafted yeah. Chase Edmonds, he was good. Christian Kirk has put on a show in Jacksonville, but like you had him here. Good you player, you just let him, him go, yeah. But then there's also Andy Isabella. That one's bad. There's Rondell Moore. Uh, remains to be seen, but nothing yet. Now you've got Trey McBride. Right. Like, all of these offensive weapons that he's going after, we're not seeing them. Third round, there's some successes, there's some hits for sure. As you get deep into the draft, and I know it's hard to hit on a fourth, a fifth, a sixth, a seventh round pick. That's hard. They happen rarely. Yes. But I can't think of damn near any. 
And, Look, the obvious one is Brady, but if, that's because we all know Tom Brady's story. By but now. that's not a Cardinals pick. No. And quite frankly, if you're missing in the first round, you're already treading water. I mean, you're you're already sinking. I mean, if you're going to draft guys effectively, it starts with those first-round picks. They have to be hits. Kyler Murray and DJ Humphreys, great. But there's a lot of misses in there. So Hassan you, Reddick, they put him at the wrong position. So then who do you blame more? Do you blame the guy that drafted the players or the guys that coached them? <sighs> because that's essentially what this comes down to. I don't necessarily believe Kime in make, this coaching staff either. Is Steve Kime making the wrong picks? Or is the coaching staff not getting what they expected from the guys that they scouted? I think he has a bad track record in the draft, overall. Well, he does because these players aren't playing. But is that on the coaches or is that on Steve? I think he's really good at trading, by the way. Because he's already NFL's, seen what those guys can do. The NFL is not really, yeah, the NFL is not really built around making big trades. And you can only make so many, right? You, can only, you only have so much draft capital. Yep. So I, I think it's a bad performance from the general manager so far in his drafts. And it's starting to show on the field because most of the guys you're picking early are not contributing. They're not even playing. I think Gambo's question was perfectly on. It's on the spot. These guys aren't contributing in any significant way in the first couple of weeks of the season. And maybe that changes I'm over time. I'm worried that they won't at all. Maybe it happens. Maybe eventually they start giving playing time to those young pass rushers. Maybe Isaiah Simmons works his way back on the field and plays really well throughout the course of the season. But so far... That's not happening. And I'm worried, too, that the Cardinals are just going to keep latching on to this duo of Cliff and Kime, and they're just going to continue sinking this ship. And it's going to make a lot of people angry. I'm not willing. To, I'm not starting to talk about, like, do, does this guy need to be fired? Does that guy need to be fired? They just got long-term contract extensions, so we can't even have that conversation at this point in my mind. But there is an obvious trend that we're pointing out here, and that's that they're drafting players who are not making an impact. There are a lot of stories to get to. We didn't have time. In fact, we're a half hour shorter than we wanted to be today. But we're bringing back a staple. Footnotes is next on Arizona Sports Saturday. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Footnotes on Arizona's Sports Saturday. Tell you what, there were so many great stories that came down this week. And I tell you what, Steve and I, during the break, we're still having our heated argument about who's to blame. With the Cardinals, but <laughs> we're pointing fingers at each other. There was still a lot of good stuff that we didn't get a chance to get to, and part of that was I'm just going to go off script a minute here, Steve, because you referenced it. LaShawn McCoy. I did what he said on the I Am Athlete podcast. If you didn't hear this, like holy smokes, you know how we talk about Kyler Murray is like he's streaming. Should he be studying, doing that? That's who Aiden is. He's trash. Aiden, no, but Aiden played his role. You like Aiden? No, I'm saying, I'm saying, you just example, and I'm saying that the player you use is trash. Kyler Murray, trash. Now, in fairness to Lashawn McCoy, that's an aggregation of an aggregation from a full I Am Athlete podcast, right? But like, what he went on to say is that Kyler Murray, he doesn't do anything that a traditional quarterback does. He can't read defenses. He can't properly put his offense in a successful position because he's just running around all the time. Um, it's it's an egregious step to say he's trash. Kyler Murray's not I trash. Agree. We all know that he's a quality quarterback in the league. Now, can you say that he's struggling with certain aspects of his game? Yeah, sure. I, I would totally agree with that. The biggest part that I do agree with is that, at least in the first couple weeks of the season, it feels like they're playing hero ball. That they're just snapping it. Kyler is entrusted now to just 
do whatever it takes to get out of the pocket, make something happen with your legs, look down the field, scramble, and find a way to win. That's not a way to build an offense. And I do agree with LaShawn McCoy in that way, um, but to call him trash, no, that's ridiculous. It's a little bit of a step too far. Yeah, too right. far. Other great sound bites that we heard this week. Uh, over on our sister station, 92.3 FM, KTAR News, uh, the Mike Broomhead Show had Dr. Michael Crow of ASU on, and it was mostly about things related with like tuition and other school-related things. But at the end, because Mike Broomhead's a big football fan, he asked Michael Crow, who's in search of a new football coach, about Deion Sanders as the new potential option. Here's what Dr. Crow said. I get a lot of messages about Deion, and, and, and Deion seems to be like uh, just in his early age of, of, of learning how to be a coach. Uh, we're going to find the, the most fantastic football coach that we can. I, I can tell you one thing, that that ASU football is very important to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've tried some experiments. Uh, they've they've uh, worked a little bit. Uh, they haven't worked in other ways. Uh, we're going to now uh, move forward. We're going to expand our investments. We're going to uh, uh, take full advantage of all the opportunities that the that the state of flux is providing in the way that college football is being run. And we're gonna we're gonna regroup and move forward to victory. I mean, that's that's the only method that we've got here. Dion's an interesting candidate, right? I mean, he's an up and coming coach. We all know the superstar athlete that he was and the great mm-hmm. NFL player and he the multi-sport athlete, all those things, right? He's had a lot of success early in his coaching career at Jackson State. He could pre- be a pretty good recruiter. He's a heck of a recruiter. Yeah, because he's The wide receiver Dion. he got a few years ago. Here's the thing, though. I'm not sure he's the X's and O's coach that I want at Arizona State University. And I'm not saying that he can't be that at some point. I just don't know that he is yet. There are other candidates that I think are better options based on where they're at in their coaching career. Just have more experience. How I read it from Dr. Crow, though, was that he makes it sound like Dion is not fully experienced for this job. That's what I'm saying. And I, Crow I dis- and I are both I dis- very smart people. I disagree with that, though, because I don't think you would have had the success, even if it's a small school, I don't think you would have had a success that he's had if he wasn't experienced enough to be a coach. And he's been at it for a few years now. I think that it's I think it's a disservice to be dismissing him this early. I'm, I'll just say that. There's other things that have to be settled. A new owner of the Phoenix Suns. Could it be a former son? Are you open to trying to purchase the Phoenix Suns? I was open until I saw the initials mm. JD. JD? Let me tell you something. You don't mess with James Brown. <laughs> you don't mess with Jeff Bezos. <laughs> so, if you couldn't hear the audio, Shaq was asked on his own podcast, the big podcast, would he be interested in buying the Suns? And his response was, I was, until I saw the initials JB. Jeff Bezos? For Jeff Bezos. Oh, man. Well, first and foremost, let's just say this. Shaq doesn't have Jeff Bezos' money. That's what he's trying to say there. He would be the leader of a group trying to buy the team. But still, like, wouldn't you be interested in Shaq trying to buy the Suns or no? I I say we get together all the weird names, like all the ones we would like to see. Let's get Shaq together with Larry Fitzgerald, who we already know is a part minority owner now. Richard Jefferson? How do you feel about Richard Jefferson? Sure. Let's invite him. Uh, Guy Fieri, I heard, is interested. Let's get him involved. Alice Cooper. Blake Shelton. <laughs> what's what's his name? Zach Lind, the drummer for... Uh, yeah, let's um, get them all together. What's the band name? I never even said the band name. Uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Eat World. World. Yeah. Let's get all of them together. All the people with Arizona ties. We could all get in on it. I've got like five bucks in my pocket. What can that get me? <laughs>
Shaq's got a little bit more than five bucks. Got a couple minutes left, so I'll get to a couple more. Really quickly, uh, Aaron Judge so far today, he got plunked in his first two at-bats today. Did he get hit in the second one, too? Oh, my gosh. No, he struck out in the third one. Oh, okay. So two HBPs and a strikeout. And he's due up in the bottom of the seventh inning. It's currently the top of the seventh inning. Nestor Cortez is one strike away from sending it to that bottom half. Still waiting on 62, but he did get to 61. I hope it happens, man. I, I know hitting 61 and tying the record was really cool, and it's got to be great for the, the Maris family to uh, be there as well. But Absolutely. But I th- owning the record and tying the record are two very different things. Okay, so the Orioles just ended the inning, and we don't have enough time to stay for the AB because we got Dynamax baseball coming up next. Speaking of which, we talked earlier about Alec Thomas getting demoted and the conversation Tori had with Alec. Well, Alec didn't necessarily take the demotion to heart, but he definitely made the most of the demotion. He has been killing it for Reno since being sent back down. In his first three games with Reno, he hit 9 for 14. That's like a 640-something batting average. He was on base 667, three doubles, five RBIs. Yeah, he responded pretty positively to getting demoted. And really quickly, congrats to the Aces, who won the Pacific Coast League Championship last night. Now on to the AAA postseason. And them. Alec Thomas, he'll be back. He'll be I'm back. not too worried about that at and all. And so will we, but a week from now. We'll be back a week from now. Thanks so much for checking out the show this week. Uh, for Mitch Varelis, for Trevor Henry behind the glass, I'm Steve Zinsmeister. You've been listening to Arizona Sports Saturday here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.